Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. We enjoy hearing from you and trying to point you in the right direction as best we possibly can. And right now is the perfect time to call because we have the whole hour to get your questions answered thoroughly. That's right. Always the best time is right at the beginning of the show. Should you happen to miss your opportunity to get a live answer today, Mm -hmm. you can always go to our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. The little form is going to pop up and fill out some information on it with with your symptom and everything and hit the send button and send it on in. There you go. Sure. Wish you would. We always appreciate hearing from people and it kind of gives us a little bit of an idea of what to talk about. Sure. On the next show, because we get people who, when they send in a question, is something that maybe we hadn't talked about in a while. It sort of spurs ideas with us. And then you have a, we get a lot of emails, so you can take the the common points that come in and, and put a show together with those right. also. Well, one point that comes up a number of times means this is something that people are interested in, so it kind of gives you a lot of guidance. We got an email here from Stephen in Minnesota, uh-huh. and he was asking, he's got a Saturn and the original equipment motor mount has been discontinued by GM. Okay. He's gone through two different aftermarket motor mounts with really, really poor results. And he was commenting on the poor quality of the aftermarket parts, which right. he had listed some other parts that he had run up into problems with as well. And what he might do, or if maybe we knew of a better quality aftermarket part. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm not aware of any aftermarket motor mount that really works well no we've tried them and we've ended up having to take them off and put the factory mount on and because you know they'll, they'll last maybe a month maybe six months something don't work out of the box exactly they vibrate worse than the old mount right and then you get a vibration because the mount has collapsed mm-hmm. the engine's sitting there running has no more cushion to, vi- to isolate the vibration from the chassis from the driver so therefore it's vibrating again we had one of these high-tech electric mounts come in a while back i think it was on a honda of mm-hmm. some sort and huge vibration in it and took the mount off the guy said well i just changed the mount it didn't make any difference okay. so took it off put a honda mount on and fixed the problem and i actually want his old mount back he said, no i'll throw it away so we took and cut it open right and it did have the electric wires on it but if you went inside there was nothing but like a little diode there <laughs> just to fool just the computer. to turn the light off right it turned the light off it had no mechanism in them wow i mean the honda part has solenoids and valves right and hydraulic it actually controls the dampening of that right mount. this had absolutely none of that it just, just had a little, a little diode resistor type things which could fool the connector fool the computer into right. thinking it was connected just a look like just part. a rubber yeah just a wow. rubber mount so yeah i remember that yeah it just goes to show you the the lengths that some of these companies will go to to make well, a buck and you've got liquid filled you know oil filled mm-hmm. motor mounts now yeah this had no oil in it at all right they come in you know the aftermarket mounts will come in it looks the part it fits the part it doesn't work you cut it open there's no oil in it yeah it's so it can't work right solid rubber mount with made to fit that application and what i advised him is sometimes you can go to the dealership and get the original part number right and if you google that part number you may find 
Oh, I mean, it's a big country. Lots and lots of cars out there. Sure. Someone may have bought a mount, and maybe the car got wrecked. Maybe they sold it, whatever, and never installed it. You may be able to find a factory mount. Yeah, uh, what we call NOS, new old stock. Uh-huh. It's a mount that's never been installed. Even though it's no longer available through Saturn, you may find someone who has one. You may find a shop that had bought one for a customer. Customer never showed up. They threw it on the back shelf. I know we do that from time to time. Right. We start cleaning up. We get a bunch of these old parts. We'll put them on eBay just sure. to, just to get something. I, I can't send them back anymore. They're obsolete. But I can put them on eBay and sell them for something. I, not long ago, we sold a original equipment GM ignition control module, uh-huh. which was about 350 bucks new from gm that's what we paid for it and i put it on ebay and i got 175 which well, is better than it's better on my shelf exactly because the odds of me needing that in the future are pretty slim i mean i can hold on to it forever hoping to get a sale for it but right but i remember that car it was a one-of-a-kind yeah you don't see hardly any of those anymore right so sometimes that's a way to find them and i thought we could talk just a little bit about oem OES and aftermarket and the differences and what all those acronyms mean. OEM means Original Equipment Manufacturer. This is a company that the manufacturer of the car hired to make the part on the car that went on the production line. Uh For instance, GM, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, Honda. Whoever the manufacturer may be. They do not make anything. They design cars and they assemble cars. Uh Uh-huh. But they do not make any of those parts. All those parts are through subcontractors who make the parts to their standards. Correct. Now, the OEM part is the absolute best. That is going to be the original equipment manufacturer, someone they found to make this part for them. Those are the parts that went on the assembly line. Now, when you go to the dealership and you buy replacement parts, sometimes you will get an OEM part. Depends. They, They make X number of parts when they make the car, and they make X number of extras and these are sold out through the car dealerships. At some point, they quit doing that, and they go to what they call OES. Well, they make a what they do is, like you're saying, they make so many parts, and when those parts are done, mm-hmm. that's the end of that production run. It's all the end of that engineering run. Right. That mount may have changed for another design or something like that, so they tool up to start making the new one. Right. They don't have to make that, the old that one That vendor anymore. may be making the ones for the newer cars. Correct. So he was no longer available to make the replacement parts. Now, sometimes OES could be OEM. Mm-hmm. In other words, that guy just happened to have all the stuff there. He had the production capability. He may make the second run also. But very, very often, OES is a lower-quality part that, I'm not going to say necessarily lower-quality, but a different manufacturer comes in and makes this part. He duplicates. He may make it off the original drawings. And I've always felt that the manufacturers say, look, we're looking for a lower-priced part here. Mm-hmm. Or what can you do to cut corners here? Because I find the OES parts are not necessarily as, as good, good as the OEM. Right. Now, there's another range in there, and that is like Ford, after about two or three years, they quit supplying the OEM part, and they will go to a Motocraft part. Or okay. GM will go to a Delco, Delco part, which may just be an aftermarket part in, in a, a box, box, in a Delco or Motocraft box. Just because you're buying a Delco part from a GM dealer or a Motocraft part from a Ford dealer does not mean you get an OEM part. Right. Many, many times you're getting an aftermarket part in that box. Delco is one of the worst about that. Delco mm-hmm. makes parts for Hondas and everything else because they're just an aftermarket company. Right. Now, some of the original equipment parts for GM were Delco part. Delco did make the OEM part. Sometimes they make the OES part, but it's not necessarily the same part. 
And even within Delco's line, it just, I don't want to complicate the matter more than it already <laughs> is, but it just gets so confusing. It does. You have the OEM Delco part and you have the aftermarket Delco part. And if you don't know the part numbers, they look the same, same box and everything. Right. The, the factory number changes to a different number when the part changes. Right. And what you will get, it's sort of like I've seen people go on the internet thinking, oh man, I can buy that part for half that much. I said, well, you're buying you, half the part. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting an original. Oh yeah. It's Delco. AC Delco. I said, it's not the same part. Right. You can buy a Delco alternator OEM for $325 or you can buy a Delco alternator aftermarket for about $125. And it's not the same part. Well, not hardly. I mean, same I thing. Mean, with physically, a, physically, it goes on the vehicle. It will but fit that, on the that's car. About but that's about the goes. extent of it. Yeah, same thing with water pump, same thing with brake sure. pad, same thing with all this stuff. It's very difficult unless you deal with it every, every day. single day to even know what you're getting. And even then, you've really got to stay on top of it because things change daily. Sometimes. Well, absolutely. They may have the this part may be a very good part for a year, and then at the end of the year they change vendors, and yeah, who we knows no- what you got? We noticed that with the Chevy truck water pumps. Yeah, you know, you would buy the the OEM part, it would fit on the vehicle, the original thermostat would fit on it, right, and everything worked. And then they went to the replacement, the, the replacement part. It still looks the same. It still fits on the truck, but now the thermostat doesn't fit anymore. You have to buy another thermostat right. to go with the new pump. Because they've changed the design. Of right, it. but they don't tell you that because they only tell you the pump. Right. Then you've got to go back and say, hey, wait a minute. I need My a thermostat, thermostat too. fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and on and on it goes. But right. a lot of times you get this stuff, and it doesn't even work. Right out the box. Right out the box. Yeah. What's much, much, much worse is some parts can cause damage to other parts. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that a whole lot more right after this break. If you ever plan to motor west. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. But you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291-6901, and that's what Jimmy did. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning, Louis. Thanks for taking my call. You know, y'all talking about aftermarket and OEM products and everything. Mm-hmm. I've run into some problem with my Nissan oil filters. Yes, sir. I'm trying to, you know, I do like y'all say, try to put original, you know, the, the good stuff on my little Nissan. Mm-hmm. But I bought three oil filters from the Nissan dealership the other day, and if you look on the outside of them, they're made in Mexico. Right. You look down in the hole, look in the inside of them, 
and they're junk. I mean, they're just, I mean, you get the appearance that it's, it's not at all good. I, I went back to the, I'm going to call them the orange box ones that I get at, Wall, at, at Wally World. Yeah. They look like better filters. I, I'm just I'm just asking, and, and even the, uh, the the Nissan filters, they're stamped on it, made in Mexico. Yeah, they are. The thing is, with the Nissan filter, at least you know you're getting a filter that meets Nissan specs. But some of those are better than others. I tell you, if you go on my website and just type in all filter, I've got a big article on that topic. Shows some filters cut open, shows them put on a digital scale and all that. It really shows some differences in it. A lot of the aftermarket stuff you really got to watch. I mean, looking at it is not really going to tell you what you need to know. You'd have to cut the filter open, get inside, look at the media, look at the size of me, look at the quality of the media, whether they're holding. You know, if, if it's got a 40 micron hole, in one spot in the media and a 60 micron hole in another spot, you can't see that. But that's what's going to control your filtering. Whether it has the right relief spring in it, whether the relief spring is working properly, does it have an anti-drain back valve, does the drain back valve work? These are the kind of things that you can't see. And I got to say, some of the original equipment, actually, that's what you call an OES filter. It's not OEM. It's not the guy who made the original one for the car. It's somebody that Nissan has making them for them now. But at least it does meet the standards of the you know of the car i would stick with the original equipment filter unless you had one that you had scientifically tested and knew was better but i tell you just looking is just really really hard to judge well they're sure not making it appealing to me as far you know you, you look at something you, and it looks like junk you got to think it's junk yeah you know, yeah. You know what i'm saying but but, but I'll, I'll take your advice yeah go to that article on my website and look that up and it'll show you a lot more revealing view of it but, yeah, you got to be very, very careful. When you start cutting these things open, that's what really tells the difference on them because just looking is hard to say. You know, I, I had the same discussion with a fellow about a Honda filter, and some of the Honda filters really look they look pretty yeah. shabby on the outside. But when you get inside of the filter, you'll see the difference of it. And about the only filters that I'm really, really pleased with, like the Toyota original equipment filter, you can look at that and you can see this is definitely a high-quality filter. It looks good. It comes with a seal on top of it. Now, you know, a, you say you say mm-hmm. that, and my uh, my wife has a little Honda car, and I bought her the, the original Honda filter, mm-hmm. and they, they they look good, and and I use them. Yeah, yeah. some of them do. But, in fact, they got but, two different companies that make their filters for them, and some of them I've seen, I just didn't like the way they look, but they do work well. And you know, you were talking about the Toyota filter with the little plastic on, right? It. When you take the plastic off, the O ring is actually lubricated already. Yeah, on the Toyota, ready units. to go on. Right. Didn't know that. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. All right, Miss Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you. All sir. right. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, we're talking a little bit about the aftermarket stuff and all that. And, you know, when you put an oil filter, say an aftermarket oil filter that's not up to standard, it's probably not going to filter as well as the OEM, but it's going to be a very long-term kind of a problem. Right, it's not something you're going to see overnight. You're not going to have Unless it's got a hole in the case or something like that. You're not going to have a catastrophic failure very likely, unless, like, say, the housing is busted and leaks all, all out or it doesn't have a seal on it or whatever. But things like, let's say, a starter. I know we had a gentleman come in a while back, and he had put an aftermarket starter on his Ford truck. Okay. And the starter went bad after about a month, which was annoying enough. But when it went bad, the way it went bad is that the Bendix broke loose on the shaft, got back into the flywheel, and ripped the flywheel up. So now you're into changing not only the starter, but now you have to pull the transmission. Transmission's got to come out of the car. And... Of course, if you go back to the guy who sold you a starter, he'll hand you those starters to have a nice day. Exactly. But he's not going to pay for all the subsequent damage. Right. Well, that really, really gets to be a big problem is on parts that are controlled by the PCM. Like, for instance, say a vent solenoid. Mm-hmm. These two vent solenoids look identical. 
one's OEM and one is aftermarket. Right. The OEM part costs two hundred and fifty dollars. The aftermarket part costs eighty nine dollars. Well, that's pretty tempting. But if you put this part on and it doesn't have the right amperage draw or it goes to short, it may knock the ECM out. And then you're into a big deal. Now you're into replacing the ECM. Well, just diagnosing the problem, first off, because what's going to happen is going to continue to set the same code. Right. And then you're going to take the valve back thinking it's bad. They're going to hand you another one. You're going to put it on. Still got the same still code. Still got the same code. But now the ECM is not working because it's burned the driver out in it. That takes some pretty complicated diagnostics just to figure that out. Sure. Once you figure it out, you have to replace an extremely expensive part, and it has to be programmed to the car. Exactly. Which is well, way, way out of the range of most people. Providing you can still get the PCM. Well, yeah. Because uh, a lot of that stuff is being discontinued now. Yeah, if the car is older and you can't get the PCM or you can't get the calibration for the PCM, then you've got a big you may have, may have just totaled the oh, car. <laughs> a lawn ornament. Yeah, that's well, <laughs> depending on, on your... Uh, <laughs> On your views of law and order? That is good. Let's go back to our phone. Michael, good morning, Michael. Morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Hey, I'm from Holland, Michigan. I discovered your show. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. I got another compliment and a question, if you don't mind. You bet. Sure. The reason I like your show is because, you know, a guy like me making forty grand a year, I'm Mm -hmm. always going to be driving 15-year-old car older (laughs) and my, my kids as well. That's right. And it's so helpful when you guys call out the cars and engines that are bad and the ones that are good mm-hmm. because many other shows that are sponsored oh no that's all it's a good it's a good car it's a good <laughs> truck you know just people not maintaining it but so thanks guys but uh another question is about aftermarket parts mm-hmm. i remember as a kid in the 70s napa was the only mm-hmm. store in my small town and I, and I just remember like the eklund parts and all that right I remember them being better than like OEM, like the points and condensers. And then now all these good name brands, they're really poor quality. And it's kind of what's up with that. Michael, you bring out a excellent point. And what, without getting into economics and all the different things, just basically what happens, let's say you've got a smallish company, like you mentioned, or whatever, a shock absorber company, and they have a pretty good product. Well, that is a very inviting target to the investors they'll come out and say okay here's this company and their stock selling for this much and they produce this product and it sells for this much in the marketplace we can buy this company now the first thing we can do is we can quit our r&d get rid of the r&d department our profits can go up next thing we do is we get rid of this we get rid of that profits going to continue to rise because this thing has a good uh, reputation in the marketplace it's going to continue to sell for quite a while Eventually, we can't even make a part anymore. We just close the factory down, bulldoze it, put up a subdivision, and go to buying stuff from China and put it in the same box, and it's going to continue to sell for a while. So for a while, we're going to make a whole, whole lot of money. Without now, very little, with very little investment. What the stock market says is, man, these guys, here's the white knight. He rode in. He took this company that was marginal, and he just took it up to skyrocket profits. He's great. Then he take, turns around and sells it just as it's collapsing around him. Well, Walter well, should have kept him. He was great. You know, yeah. well, he was there. The company was doing good. And, you know, it, it and it, they go through one company after another company after. I always call them corporate raiders, and that's what's happened. And that began happening somewhere back, probably in the late eighties, and it's just gone on and on and on. And I don't want to name brand names on the air, but there are like one shock absorber company that has a wonderful oh, yeah. reputation. Yeah, used to buy them all the time. Absolute trash. I wouldn't yeah. even put one on anything. And it, it, they've changed hands two or three times. I mean. Oil filter companies. It's just yeah. all about 
the profits. If I can take a company, buy it, go in, it's got a good reputation, that box is going to sell that part. Now, I'm going to see this problem way quicker than, say, you are. Because you buy yeah. a part maybe twice a year. I buy it probably 10 times a week. So I'm going to see it real fast. Whereas the average person who may buy a part every once a year, twice a year, he's going to buy that brand name. Even if he gets a bad one, he's, well, I've always got good from him. Maybe it's just a fluke. So he's going to buy, buy another, another one. one. It's going to take quite a while for everybody to catch on. By the time they do, they don't sold the company and moved on to the next one. Well, it's a shame because I won't name any name brands, but there's just so many that that like almost help build these car companies in right. North America, and you buy them now, and they don't fit. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolute junk. junk. And you know, it used to be, like you said, at one time, the aftermarket stuff, you'd buy that as an upgrade to the OEM. And that's yeah. turned 180 degrees. Now the OEM is generally the better part in the aftermarket. See, the aftermarket, too, as the OEM started improving their quality, I think they went exactly the wrong way. Instead of saying, well, we're going to make an even better part for a more reasonable price, what they did is say, well, we can cut the cost and undersell them. And then you got these big companies that come out, and again, not mentioning any names, but they got a store on every corner, and their whole deal is we can outsell everybody. Then the Internet comes along, well, we can even beat that. you know. So they go yeah. to these offshore companies and get a part that they can put in a box and sell. People don't have the training to know what quality part they're getting. In many cases, they're just looking at the price. And so there's a big, big market for junk parts until they start causing problems. Well, regardless, uh, I love the show, and I love catching it uh, catch it on Stitcher. Oh, well, good deal. Uh, I was glad I, uh, I, I, I discovered it. Well, good. We sure appreciate you listening. All right. Thank you, guys. All right, Michael. Thanks, man. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. We're going back to our phone lines. We've got Alan online. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing wonderful. Good sir. morning. I've got an 05 Chevy Silverado crew cab. Mm-hmm. I've got a situation where generally when you turn the vehicle off and you open the door, everything shuts down. It's you know, supposed the radio, to. Mm-hmm. The, uh-huh. All the interior lights and everything. Well, it's not doing that all the time. Okay. That sometimes is a, it will, sometimes it won't. Yeah, that's a common occurrence. I've got an 06 Silverado crew cab, and every once in a while it does the same thing. You turn the key off, you open the door, the radio should turn off, and radio's go to get out, and I'm like, wait a minute, radio's still playing. Mm-hmm. And right. I'll close the door, cycle the ignition again, and then open the door, and a lot of times it, it clears it out and, mm-hmm. and starts Correct. working like it's supposed to. It hasn't gotten to the point where I've had time to stop and, and try to figure it out, so... I would suspect it's probably the door switch. Probably. There's a little switch inside the lock that tells inside it when the door the latch. Yeah, inside the latch. That right. When the door opens and closes, it tells it that. I would probably consider that's most likely the problem. But being well, it intermittent, it's going to be a little difficult yeah. to find. used to be, yeah, you had the little button. Yeah, no, those, well, those like, have yeah. been gone for years. Now it's, it's just a little Hall effect sensor incorporated into the latch mechanism itself. Okay. And it sees the door open and close. And that does a number of things. That can... That can really cause you a yeah. problem with no start every once in a while because that arms the theft system also when it sees the door well, open I and close. To, that's what made me start thinking about it was Thursday morning or Thursday evening mm-hmm. after getting off of work, the the, the battery was dead. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I thought, well, maybe there's something staying on that I don't, I'm not aware right. of that's draining the battery. Yeah, I would suspect that door switch is the most common thing. You're going to have to have Tech 2 or, yeah, that would be a Tech 2, where right. you can see that switch and see what it's doing because it will show you the PID data from the switch. You can see it open and close. And then, but you have to catch it acting up. You have to catch it acting up to, to see it. you got to do it while, okay, while, right. while you, you got, you got some to, kind of equipment on it. So it's going to be right. a little bit difficult. Now, those switches 
on some models you can buy just the switch, which would probably be worth just throwing a part out to hope hopefully fix it. Uh, on some, you got to buy the whole latch assembly, right. which is pretty yeah. pricey. You'd have and to know. Some of them are extremely hard to get to to change out. Yeah, they're up inside the door. Right, so. you got to take the door panel off, roll the window all the way up, and then you got to work in the dark, out of sight. With your hand turned backwards, yeah. Right, yeah. It's it's not a not an easy part for the faint of heart, I can tell you. Yeah, that's okay. it. But that uh, basically, but that, it's either going to be that, the wires, or the BCM. Now, we've also, we got one in the other day. It had a uh, broken wire in right. the door. Where, where the, the wires door. make that curve in that little convoluted rubber piece, those wires will break in there sometimes. The insulation yeah. holds them together so they still touch and, and they'll it, make contact. Every once in a while, you open the door and it doesn't make contact, pulls them apart. And I've had to repair right. some wires in that area also. If you're lucky, it might set a code in the body control module. So if you got a tech okay. two and you can read the body module, you may see a code in there stored that can give you an idea of where this is coming from. Right. You're yeah. not going to get that uh, not gonna BCM, be on a PCM. information. You're not going to get the BCM information without a tech two. Yeah. Your or code a, reader or, can't see right, it. Right. A code reader can't read it. Okay. Um, All right. Well, thanks, guys. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Sir. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. One more quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Haldesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we try to answer any automotive questions you may have. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. And if you got a comment or a question, you just give us a call, 291-6901. And we still have plenty of time to get that question answered for there you. There you go. We were chatting a little bit about aftermarket parts and OEM parts and the differences and such as that. Right. Course, we'll take a call on any topic you may have. You never limited to whatever it is that we're talking about any particular day exactly it's just kind of a guideline <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no we you can always call in on any topic it might be of interest to you we were talking about the damage that can be caused by inferior parts mm-hmm. i know we had a guy who came in not too too long ago and he had bought a blower motor uh, the blower motor went bad on his right. car and he bought a blower motor off the internet somewhere and put it on and it worked for about a week and then quit working again. And he says, man, why did it go bad so fast? So, well, technically, it didn't go bad. It was always bad. Uh, it just you check it. the draw, it draws about 30 amps. It's supposed to be drawing about six. Sure. But what it did is it burned out the control head on the car. So the symptom is the fan doesn't blow. Right. But any one of a number of things can stop that from happening. Right. The symptom is always going to be the fan doesn't blow. Exactly. But what had happened, of course, we had to change the blower motor because it would cause the right. same problem again, but we also had to change the control head. It was burned out. 
and it was burned out because this blower motor was drawing way too many amps because it wasn't manufactured properly. The bearings were dragging in it, which was causing the amp draw to, to go up. Yeah, way, way right. high and end up burning out another far more expensive component. So these are some of the things you get into, not only the loss of the part, but the loss but the of casualties things. that occur after. Yeah, the collateral damage. I see all our lines are lit right. up. Let's go back to our phone lines with Gene. Good morning, Gene. Hey, I got a Honda Civic 2010, and it's vibrational bad. Okay. When does it vibrate, Gene? We first crank it up, and as you drive it, for about 30 minutes. Okay. Is it vibrate sitting still? Does it vibrate going down the road at a certain Both. speed? Both. All the above. So it gets real hot, I guess. Yeah, you need to narrow that down because yeah. it's almost impossible to vibrate sitting still and going down the road unless you got two different problems because that's two totally separate scenarios so you if you want to get that problem fixed you need to narrow down when does this occur what's bringing it on and that sort of thing vibrations at an idle are generally going to be something like an engine mount that's bad or a misfire misfire that causes the engine to vibrate vibrations going down the road are more likely something that is related to something that's rotating like a wheel tire that kind of thing so pay close attention to when it vibrates, how it vibrates, what speed, what changes it. If you're going down the road, it's vibrating. If you kick it into neutral, does it change? If you shift to a lower gear, does it change? If you can narrow those things down, then you're going to figure it out. But okay, that's I just the, put it in neutral, it's not vibrating, and I put it back in drive, and it starts vibrating. Okay. Sitting still again? No, I'm not sitting still. I just put it in neutral, going down the road, Okay, and it don't vibrate. And I put it back in drive. Okay. The first thing I would suspect on that would be something like an inner CV joint could possibly be bad. That will give you a vibration on acceleration or on maintaining speed. But when you put it in neutral, you're taking the load off. So it's going to go okay. away. But that's not going to ever vibrate sitting still. So if you also have a vibration sitting still, you've got you more, got more than problems. one problem. Right. You know, and, and that's possible. You could have two different problems, you know. If, uh, if you get ready to take this to a shop, be willing to show the technician, hey, this is what it's doing at idle, and then hit the road and show him this is what it's doing driving down the road. That way he's not looking for just one symptom. He's yeah. looking for both. See, kicking it neutral and it going away suggests something in the drive line. Right. Whereas... You know, that's not going to affect you at all when you're sitting still. Whoop. Nope. I, I think guess we, we lost, lost him. Okay, let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Ralph on the line. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing, Doing wonderful, great. sir. A, a question. I have. A, I just bought a, a 2008 uh, town car from a dealer that uh, somebody traded in a uh, small car and bought the, uh, that bought the 2008 town, town car. It has 105,000 miles on it. It was suggested that I should put uh, high mileage oil in it. Now, no. the dealer did an initial oil change, and he put synthetic in there. Well, it, it's going to call for synthetic. 5W20 so blend is blend, what it yeah. called for originally. And I would put 5W20 motorcraft blend in there, and that's all I would use. You do not need high mileage oil. There's no, oh. there's nothing in the car that changes when you get more miles on it. The oil that was specified on a new car is the same oil you use. That's just something people sell you to get more money out of you. Because the dealer put, the dealer, he changed it when I got there. The dealer put uh, full of synthetic oil in it. Well, full synthetic yeah. blend, basically the same thing anymore. They've changed the definition of synthetic, but what I would go with is the 5W20 Motocraft blend, and they may call it synth- full synthetic now because they're changing all those definitions up a bunch. But that's what I would go with. The regular all that came with the car, the 5W20 blend or, or full synthetic, either one be exactly the same. And use the Motocraft filter that goes on yeah, that Yeah, FL820S is going to be your filter. Definitely you want original right. equipment filter. That fil- yeah, because when I... But I bought it from the dealer. The dealer, like, he was a uh, it was a uh, Kia dealer. So I think he just kind of bought what was suggested. They didn't, you know, they didn't sell the car brand new, you know. Mm-hmm. 
because they did put mobile one in. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You're on Party Automotive Hour. We've got Gail online. Good morning, Gail. Hey, Lewis. A couple of weeks ago when we got that first cold snap, mm-hmm. the light on my dashboard came on and said my tires were low. Okay. So I went around and checked them all. It didn't seem like one, but I did check the spare, and it was maybe 29. Mm-hmm. So I did all that. I did the reset button and the light staying on. Okay. Any ideas on that? What kind of car is it, Gail? 2010 Tacoma. Some of those may have to be driven a certain amount of time before that light will go off. Other ones you do have to go back and re- it's a reset procedure. If you look in your owner's manual, there may be some type of reset procedure to set that light off. I'm not certain yeah. on that one. Yeah, because Toyota has two or three different reset procedures, mm-hmm. and some of them involve the scan tool. Some of them involve just trying to set the air pressure and then hold the button down. I think let me there's one of yeah, them that has a button of, in, the, in the it's got a button you hold the button down until the, the light on the dash flashes three times that puts it in learn mode then you can go drive it and the light and should go out. go out yeah but most oh, likely unless there's a you could also be one of the sensors is, is going weak. yeah the battery's going weak and the cold just dropped it below the threshold and that's why it came on now if that's the case you'd have to diagnose which sensor it is and replace the sensor to get the light to stay out pretty easy for a shop to tell you what it is because they can hook a scan tool to it and they can see if all the sensors are communicating there's just a reset procedure if not then you just have to replace the bad sensor in it and some of those vehicles actually have a main button and a second button in the glove box so you can change from summer tires to winter tires without having to break things down and change rims and everything Mm -hmm. you you learn both sets and if that happened to get pressed then the light would stay on Right. So All right. I would first go and just look up tire yeah. pressure monitoring in the uh, owner's manual, see if it's a reset procedure or a button maybe that you're missing. And if so, try that first. If not, you bring it to any shop that has the tool for it. Right. They can read and tell you if you got a bad sensor or not. Can I get an inspection with that light on? Yes. 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 The law says that it has to be on the car, and the law prevents me from doing anything to disable that sensor. Now, the owner of the car, you can do pretty much. I mean, they can't really enforce that against you, but a shop cannot remove it from the car or cause it to not operate. Now, if it comes in, it's not operating, and you say, I don't want to fix it, that's your business. Right. You can do that. But it's not required in Louisiana for a safety inspection. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you. Okay, Gail. Right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we'd love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. We were talking a little bit about the aftermarket parts and such as that. Now, there is also, in fairness to everyone, a very limited number of aftermarket parts that do equal, and in some cases, in my opinion, exceed the original equipment part. And, again, I I hate using brand names on the air because things change so often. They do. But there's a line of front-end parts that we use exclusively because they are better, I find, than the original part. They manufacture a lot of the parts for the OEM. And they'll take the design and say, well, look, we Wait can make this yeah. better. And they'll make a better part. Now, in some cases, they're not cheaper. some cases, they're more expensive than the original part. Sure. But if you're getting a better part, it's worth the extra price. It is to me. Right. I remember back in the day, Ford Taurus used to have a tremendous problem with inner CV, excuse me, inner tie rods. Right. I mean, the originals yeah. would last about 35,000, 40,000 miles just out of the warranty. Then you could get another set of OEM parts put on there, and they'd last maybe another 20,000, 30,000 miles. And if you put a cheap tire on it, it probably wasn't going to last that long. But these replacements, when you got them, you could take them out of the box. You could see they were physically larger, much better constructed, yep. pre-lubricated. You put those on, and you pretty much solved the problem. 
So there are a few rare instances where aftermarket parts are actually better than the OEM. Exactly. That's probably the exception that makes the rule. We'll talk more about that in the final segment. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hevoted supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by the co-pilot seat. Hey, between us, we'll try to answer any automotive question you may have. we still got a few minutes. If you want to give us a call, it's 291-6901. Talking about OEM, OES, aftermarket, and all the various different parts on the market, and you know, the OEM parts are not always perfect, but right. they're just kind of the best of the worst. At least you know you're getting an adequate part for the most part. It just kind of removes a lot of the problems. Now, when you start talking about stuff that maybe is better, we talked about an oil filter earlier, uh-huh. and there are a handful of oil filters out there that are really good. They are. Aftermarket filters that are really good. The only problem with that is they're not readily available. That and identifying them. Correct. Because the same company that makes a really good line may make a silver line, which is absolute junk. So if you tell people it's okay to buy this filter, and they go buy one of the silver line junk filters, then they're worse off than if they're just stuck with the OEM, which is always going to be adequate. The same thing happens. A lot of filters and things like that are purported to be better. Mm -hmm. And that is like these filters that are supposed to be a permanent filter and you can wash them out and you put oil on them and sure, all that. Sure. Almost all manufacturers recommend against those. Right. And it's one of those deals where because some is good does not mean more is better. This filter is not the original design. It's not the original paper pleated filter that goes on the car. In has- many cases, the oil can wick through it, get on the airflow meter, and knock out the airflow meter. Sure, especially if you over-oil it. That's the thing. And... The problem is you also are building in a very annoying, aggravating maintenance issue. It's not like people are going to get under the hood of the car every 10,000 miles, pull this thing out, wash it, clean it, dry dry it, it, oil it properly, reinstall it. Just not something the average person wants to waste his weekend doing. Most people don't because we see it almost every week. You open a box and there's this nasty oil-based air filter in there that is clogged completely up right you know it's been in there for doing more harm than exactly than any good it ever thought about doing how much easier is it to get a nice original equipment paper filter put it in there put it in probably forget about it for 25 30 maybe forty thousand miles sure and then just take it out throw it away put another one it's just so much nicer and it's not going to cause any problems it's going to work just fine you know, I remember when they came out with greasable U-joints. Everybody said, oh, this oh, yeah. is great, man. I can grease the U-joints now. They're going to 
They can last forever. Way better. Yeah. The problem is to make a U-joint where you can grease it, you have to have an, a way for grease to go out. Because sure. when you put some grease in, the old grease has to go out or you couldn't put it in there. That means the seals are not as good. Now, this thing is spinning around under the car at high, high RPM. It's going to sling the grease out. Mm-hmm. And the problem is not very many people want to crawl under the car at 5,000 miles and grease the U-joints. And worse than that, some of those grease fittings aren't accessible without taking the drive shaft out. Well, that's right. And so it becomes an annoying issue. So it just doesn't get done. Right. So after about 15,000 miles, it runs dry, burns up, whereas the OEM non-greasable joint probably would have gone 100 plus thousand sure. miles without needing any service at all i in fact i've got the original set in mind it's had one hundred thirty-five thousand on it yeah i mean that's i mean not even think about uncommon it at all if you don't drive through high water with it the original u-joints may last the life of the vehicle very well what one of the major causes that knock those out number one of course is if you damage the drive shaft in any way like get it out get of balance dna in it or somebody takes it apart puts it back together wrong now you got a vibration which will quickly tear up the u-joint sure Second is driving through what I call high water. And my definition of high water and average persons may be different, but that U-joint, the back U-joint is probably sitting, what, 10, 11 inches off well, the ground maybe? It's almost level with the center line of the wheel. Right. So, so not very yeah, high not off the ground. High. If you drive through high water or you back your boat down into the right. landing, that U-joint is probably underwater. And a U-joint is sealed, but it's sealed in such a manner as it's designed to keep the grease inside the joint. And keep a certain amount of contaminants. Like when it's raining, it's probably going right. to hold that out. But if you put it underwater. It's not designed for that. It's not designed for that. It's not a submarine quality joint. And particularly if you start to turn it while it's underwater. Right. Then water is going to leak in past the seals. Now, when you drive off from that boat landing or driving through the high water, you're not going to know one bit of deer. Nothing is going to be different. Nope. It's going to drive exactly the same as it always did. It's not going to vibrate. It's not going to make noise. It's going to just drive right on off. But what has happened is a small amount of water has gotten past that seal, and it's in the grease. Now it's getting churned up with the grease. Well, the water starts to emulsify the grease, and the water starts to attack the metal parts of the joint. So you get a little rust pit in it. It's going round and round and round. The grease is compromised because it's emulsified. And in the next, oh, three to 10,000 miles, now you're getting a squeak, 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 squeak when you drive or a clunk when you put it in gear sure. or all the different ways that U-joints go bad. Sometimes you won't get a squeak. You'll just get the vibration. Sometimes right. you won't get a vibration. You'll get a clunk. Sometimes you won't get either one, but up at 60 miles an hour, the truck vibrates mm-hmm. real bad. You let off the gas and it gets a little better. You accelerate again and it gets worse. Again, what it is, U-joints don't fail in one way, just like people don't die in one way. People die in any number of different ways. Same thing with a U-joint. It just depends on what happened to this particular one, how it was designed, how it was operated, and all these sorts of factors. For instance, if the U-joint fails in such a way that the rollers eat up, maybe the the rust eats the the roller They just grind them away. Well, now you're probably going to get a loud clunk. Right. You're going to be able to take that dry shaft. You're going to be able to take that dry shaft and turn it a little bit and you can watch the joints and you'll be able to see the well the pin is rolling in the cap now where it shouldn't be because the rollers are gone the time honored way of checking a u-joint was always you get on there you'd hold a pinion flange you'd move the u-joint and if you had slack in it the U-joint you had was a bad, bad u-joint not and today that, that is the old time honored method of checking u-joints right and in a catastrophic failure that will still show you the thing however there are other ways that they can fail exactly will not show up 
like that. For instance, well, if they just get rusty and the little rollers freeze up in there, in other words, they no longer can rotate freely because the grease is gone. But they're still there. But it's still there. You're not going to have any slack in the joint. Exactly. The only way to find that is take the shaft out of the vehicle and run the U-joint through its rotation. Right. A complete rotation. It should be smooth to, to roll around if it's got any kind of binding in it at all. Well, and uh, just a bind in one spot because every time you rotate this thing through 360-degree orbit, you may be turning different rollers at mm-hmm. any given point. It may only have one little tight spot in it. That one tight spot means it's bad. Right. It should be perfectly smooth all, all the way around, around through its entire range. Now, the symptoms of something like that might be a little squeak, 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 particularly like when you back up. You're right. It, for some reason, it's turning in the opposite up. direction. Yeah. So it's going to make the squeaking noise. I know we get people come in, man, they have changed all sorts of parts on their car trying to fix the squeak noise. Mm-hmm. And you get it, and it's the G-joint. In well, fact, there's one in the shop right now. Mm-hmm. And very often you hear them say, well, I check the U-joints. They're okay. Right. How'd you How'd check, you check them? <laughs> well, there's no slack in it. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean they're not squeaking because mm-hmm. they have no slack. It's just like I may not, I may have perfect blood pressure. You know, my blood pressure may be right on the numbers. Mine might be slap up a cancer right. also. You know, the two, one does not exclude the other. It's two different maladies, two different ways that I can be affected. Same thing with the U-joint. Now, another a form of failure you may not get a noise you may not have any slack but if you got one of the rollers in there is really tight or it's got a gall spot in the little cross in the trunnion uh-huh. now you get a vibration and you won't ever feel that vibration sitting still kind of like the gentleman we talked to earlier you have to know when it vibrates because things like that will generally vibrate when they're loaded you know it's under acceleration you feel it you kick it in neutral and coast and you it don't goes feel away. it but it's not going to ever vibrate sitting still because none of that's turning sitting still. Exactly. So if you got a vibration at an idle then sitting you're looking, still, you're, you're, looking you're not a different looking different at a set of joint. Yes. symptoms. A vibration up around 50 miles an hour that gets better when you kick it neutral, then you're that's looking something in the drive line, possibly something like that. Right. Now on the car that he had, you don't have U joints. You, you have, have CV, CV joints, joints, which is a whole different genre of things because CV joints and U joints perform sort of the same function but are totally totally different in correct. their nature correct and the thing is with cv joints when they first started coming out not too long after because the boots wasn't really good initially the boot would burst and it would throw the grease out of the u joint uh excuse me the cv boots. joint and the symptom you'd get is you turn hard to the right or left you get a clack 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 and that became the time audit manner of Checking. judging a cv joint was bad well mm-hmm. it's clicking so the cv joint's bad however you may have, nowadays they use thermoplastic boots or urethane boots, so they don't burst a whole lot, so you don't get too much of that. But what you can get, the inner joints can wear. It's a tripod joint. It's not a lock joint like the outside. Mm-hmm. So as the suspension goes up, this joint travels through a range in that cup. Mm-hmm. So as it travels through there, it starts wearing the parts out, and when you accelerate, the roller is jumping around in those in grooves, that groove. and it gives you a, a shake on, vi- on a vibration when you're accelerating or when you're maintaining acceleration. Right, because you're constantly keeping it loaded. Right. Some people say, well, this is at 60 miles an hour driving calm, not accelerating, but to hold the speed at 60 miles an hour against resistance of the air and the car and all that, you you're are still applying. You are applying force to the drive line. It's the same thing as accelerating. Right. You kick it in neutral, you've removed those factors, 
And what generally causes that is if you've got a bad engine mount that you've let go because now the engine's shifting out of position. So it right. causes the wear in the inner CV joint to be a whole lot worse. And we've seen the motor mounts go bad and the engine shift over mm-hmm. and bottom one of them out. Right. Will cause the same. Usually it's a real violent vibration. Very violent vibration or acceleration can right. be a bad engine mount causing the CV joint. So the CV joint's causing the violent vibration, but the broken well, motor mount <laughs> is bringing it on. Exactly. And that's just the nature of the way things fail these days. Right. I see we're getting low on time. We're going to start winding on up, getting ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Mm-hmm. Find a written review and fill it out for us. We really appreciate it when you fill those written reviews out because that moves us up in the rankings, and that way more people can listen. Of course, more people listen, more popular shows, more likely they are to keep us on there and not boot us on off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody ever clicks on your link, they can yeah, say, hey, yeah, that, you're done. These guys got to go. Boom. They out of here. A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.